Hey, everybody. Welcome to AfterBuzz TV's after show for HBO's new hit miniseries, The Night Of. Tonight, we're talking We're talking part two, Subtle Beast. And we have special guest J.D. Williams in the house. Well, he's not in the house, but he's calling into the house, so don't go anywhere. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. I love this intro. So much. <laughs> it stresses me out. It stresses me out. You feel all the suspense, every little moment. Yeah. It's just another very actually this episode's pretty calm. Yeah, it was it's calm. Like not a crazy episode. Yeah, I was gonna say there's like not that much dialogue, but it stressed me out still. So a lot of emotion. Yes. Very depressing. <laughs> very. But welcome back, guys, here to After Buzz TV. This is after Buzz TV's after show for HBO's new miniseries, The Night Of. This is episode two. Uh, it was it was a lot slower than last week, mm-hmm. but still very important. But before we get started with our discussion, I'm your host, Miara Jennings, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miara Jennings, and I'm joined by my panel of co-hosts. Hey guys, I'm Joelle Monique, and you can find me everywhere on the internet at Joelle Monique. Hello everyone, I'm Abby Vega. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Abby Vega. Hey guys, I'm Renee Ariel, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Renee Ariel. And finally, <laughs> our special guest Skyping in over here, JD Williams. Hey! Hello, you guys can see him. Where can everybody find you on Twitter, JD? Yeah, well, I, I wish I could have been there in person. I want to thank you guys for the invite. It's just that I'm not on your side of the coast, your, uh, your coast right now. Yeah. But next time, you know, I'll be with HBO for a while. So I'm pretty sure we'll get a chance to do some things together again. But thank you for inviting me. Oh, so thank you for thank talking you for with us. We definitely appreciate it. We have a lot to talk about. And we can just get started talking about this episode. So we have time to talk to you about all your projects. But let's jump in. So this opening shot was really powerful for mm-hmm. me. Um, let's just talk about that for a minute because I feel like it was deliberately placed there, the way that it was shot, and it was very blurry as if like we're supposed to see it from maybe his perspective and he doesn't yeah. really remember. So what do you guys think about that opening scene? It definitely felt like a memory uh, where I really liked the fact that they were like these kinds of innocent moments and then like dead body and I was like, oh God, okay, here we go. They're not going to let up on it heading into season, like episode mm. two. Like We're going to keep it going strong and in the fray. It was dramatic. Yeah. It was really dramatic. It was just so intense. And the whole time, I was I was kind of waiting to maybe see something like we didn't know about. Yeah. And I was just like on the edge of my seat. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was very uh, chilling. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I swear, that, that deer head. I knew that, you were going to bring that, that up. That deer head has a camera in it or something. I <laughs> am convinced. They keep showing that... Stupid, well, stupid deer head. And I know there was blood on it this time. But that was really strange because that's the one place Please. we didn't see blood splatter. It, like with all of the like placement and careful yes. like situating in episode one, the one place we never saw blood was on the deer head. And it wouldn't have like, got in there. I yeah. have no idea. Unless she had been downstairs originally, like if she had gone down with Nasir. Who knows what that girl back does. Up. I don't know. That's she what I'm saying. The deer head's going to be relevant. <laughs> yeah. JD is the deer but, head relevant. Well, I will see. I like I like all the speculation you guys doing because you guys just went you went way out there to the camera being in the deer head. But I mean I can, I can get into the little theories with you. Like remember when um when she cut his hand in the first one and then they started you know rolling around the house and having that somewhat wild sex. You know yeah. could have could have splattered the deer then. What? 
though. Right? They, I that would have been a far splatter. How does that mm-hmm. splatter that far? They could have. It was a lot. It. It. I don't know. Yeah. I guess she could have used it as support. <laughs> oh. The antlers. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Boy, <laughs> we're throwing out theories right. here. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's interesting. She had a knife going through her hand, so maybe, you know, it was getting all over the place. We don't know. But but I'll just try to uh, handle that little theory for you right now. I don't think <laughs> I don't think there's surveillance equipment in the in the deer head. There goes Thank my you for clearing think. that up. Thank because you. There goes your theory. Yeah, there goes <laughs> Sorry, my theory. Maybe, maybe next time. I think, I think, that's, I think that's more for the wire. The, yeah, okay, that's yeah that would make sense. Um, but anyway, so oh. moving on. So we see that Officer Cassie and the other officer, I don't remember his name, they're being questioned. Obviously, we knew that was going to come into play. Um, it would be a pretty big part in the investigation, I'm sure, because they were the first people to encounter Nas that night. And then we see that the lawyer, Jack, is talking to Nas, and he says something very, very important. He says he doesn't want to know the truth yet. Yeah. So what did you guys think about that exchange between um, the lawyer and Nas and just everything that Jack was saying at that point? Well, the one, one thing that's very interesting to me in the whole thing is he doesn't want to know the truth. But at this point, does Nas even know the truth? That's, you know what yeah. I mean? It's it's He has his saying that he didn't do it and he thinks that's his truth. Like, that's his mm-hmm, truth right yeah. now. Like, I didn't do this. But he really doesn't know the truth at this point. He has said many times he doesn't even remember what happened. So it's kind of that whole thing about the truth is interesting to me at this point yeah. in the story. I think it's completely irrelevant considering exactly he doesn't remember anything. And I think Jack is aware of that. Also, what, especially what he does remember, how does that help the case? Oh, well, we were playing this knife game, and then and then I drugged out, and then I woke up and she was dead. That does not help you at all. You need to come up with a better story. Otherwise, he's going to prison for the rest of his life. Well, Jack knows whatever Nasir does remember is just going to be a sob story, and that's not going to help Jack defend him any better. Like, at this point, I mean, he kind of wraps it up at the end by saying, like, look be the jury like run the checkpoints past yourself do you look innocent even to you so why would i care to know what you know like i need to create a line here for you so we can get you out so it's a smart play Mm -hmm. yeah which really sucks because i mean like you said his truth is that that from what he understands he didn't do it and he just wants people to know what happened but he can't really tell people that anymore because it may incriminate him even further. So yeah. I would be so frustrated in that situation. What do you think, JD? Should you just try keep on trying to tell the truth or what? Well, no. I mean, that's pretty uh, honest. The, the whole assessment of what the lawyer would tell you, look, I don't want to hear your opinion. Just tell me what I want to know so that I have plausible deniability. So I think that's a good move on the part of mm-hmm. most lawyers, you know, unless the, the client needs to get it off their chest. But then when you have somebody like Naz, yeah, I think that was the way to go. And just just hear what you need to hear so that he can go on with the, the, the investigation as he needs to. I think that was a great, great, a great move. And also back to you guys talking about the first shot. Steve um, really likes to keep things really Steve Zellian, the director. Mm-hmm. He loves to keep things really, you know, visceral and he'll keep you. Uh, held in one place for a long time so he always wants to make sure that he has your attention I think whether it's with the words that he's written or with what he's shooting he wants to make sure he has your attention I think before he proceeds to the next thing you know oh yeah you can tell I love the way it's shot great job yeah everything's very particular so great attention to detail Um, so after that we kind of get an interesting turn of events when we're introduced to Andrea's stepdad 
Uh, so we see that detective, what is his name? I keep forgetting. Box. Thank you. Detective Box is on the phone. We don't know who it is yet, but we know that the person on the other end is basically saying, oh, well, you know, I'm not coming down because obviously he doesn't know she's dead yet. What did she do now? Which leads us to believe that she is a troublemaker like we pretty Call much yeah. Yeah. First episode. Pretty obvious. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? The girl is a troublemaker. She's bad news. Um, so later on, he's called into the coroner's office and he starts acting pretty fishy, right? Mm-hmm. What did you guys think about that scene in the coroner's office? He's so shady. No emotions. He's like, um, that that's not her. Like, mm. he doesn't even, this is a dead person who is brutally murdered and there's no emotion. He is a psychopath. Well, so. my my first reaction was there's no way this is her dad because he looked so, so young. young to yeah. me. I I have my <laughs> suspicions about inappropriate relationships between stepdad and daughter. Stepdaughter and stepdad. I 100% see that coming. I guess that's more of a prediction. But yeah, he was a little too... Um, no, no emotions to yeah. straight. There's seen, something weird about him. I don't mm-hmm. think he killed her. Um, I don't think so. But either. there was something weird about him. I'm thinking mob connections. I'm sticking strong to that theory until it's completely disproven. Uh, because all these shadowy like family figures that we never get to mm-hmm. see or really know about, it feels mobby to me. But it also, I really like the way that scene was shot because we have all of these people that you're supposed to trust, the corners and everything, are completely in shadow. Mm-hmm. You can hardly see their faces or get their facial expressions, but he. And uh, the stepfather, who you clearly feel is kind of lying to you or definitely holding something back, mm-hmm. is, like, clear as day. Like, he's the only one in light. And I'm trying to figure out what the uh, television makers are trying to tell us through these shots and who can we really trust. Is it a police cover-up? I trust no one. I trust, I trust no, no one either. Yeah, it's so crazy because when I was watching that scene, immediately, just like we said, I was thinking, well, obviously he's hiding something or he's disconnected, he's not sad that she might be dead. But then I'm thinking, well, maybe he's just in shock or he's in denial because later on when he's talking to the detective in whatever, the diner, whatever, he was pretty, you know, he was participating and it didn't seem like he was lying. So I I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what are we supposed to think, Jamie? <laughs> is he hiding I, I, something? I just think that uh, one of the things that uh, is being set up uh, as far as the show goes is it showing that definitely information and knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And it seems like almost every character knows something that they're, you know, that they have to either mm-hmm. withhold or, you know, that they're going to have to use later. So that might be, I think that might be like kind of one of the little decoders as far as what's going on. Everybody so far knows something mm-hmm. uh that the other person doesn't know or something extra, you know, box, make sure that he's very careful with his information. Um, uh, I, I'm sorry. Um, I'm Jack? blanking on Jack uh, Stone, the lawyer. Yeah. He, he, he's, he's only wants to know what he needs to know. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want extra information because it will slow him down. My character may or may not know something. Then you have all these other questions about, you know, Naz, what, what does he exactly remember? So, so everybody I think has a little something, that they're holding back or they know or they don't know that they know. And I think that's one of the major themes of um, of this show, among other things. Ooh, but I definitely like- that, that that's like a, 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 a big point in the show, that a lot of people have information that they um, they're not sure of. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I like that. The, they don't know that they know. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible. Yeah, you know, it's entirely possible. 
Yeah, definitely is. I liked that. I like that. It seems like the only person who's 100% up front so far is Mr. Hassan. Like, his father, uh, uh, Naz's father. Like, his mom finds the condoms and the maxims. She's like, I'm just doing laundry. Like, (laughs) my perfect son has, I still believe nothing has happened. Um, And of course, Naz was even like, yeah, and then I didn't feel so good and I took a nap. Naz, come on. Like, you could tell your parents that you did drugs. It's going to be like, at this point, you should be able to tell them a lot of things. Like, you're being put away from murder. Yeah, I would, at this point, I would just, well, but I guess, I mean, he figured out pretty quickly that he can't continue telling people everything. Yeah, this is also true. Yeah, still, so, um, after that, so, yeah, like I said, you know, we're introduced to his parents again, and they get to visit him finally, um, but after going to the wrong precinct, which is, just breaks my heart, like, (laughs) people obviously are not prepared for something like this. Um, what did you guys think about the interactions between his parents and the officers? And they're just so dry and unhelpful. And I don't know if that's typical or if we're supposed to think that was a little emphasized more because of Nas and, and all of these different characters. But what did you well, guys think? I definitely think his class plays somewhat a part of mm-hmm. it. Like, you're not money coming in with your high-powered lawyers, like, about to do anything to us. Yeah. But I also think, like, cops see terrible stuff every single day. And at some point, you just shield yourself from... Trying to get, like, teary parents are always in here. My son didn't do it. Like, help me. And I'm sure they're, like, passively. Just that way, please. Like, I can't help you any further than this. You need to go through the proper channels. That was the kind of tone I got from it. Yeah, it could totally be that. Just, like, the, yeah, we see this every day. But in this episode, I noticed a lot with Jack Stone, which is why I I always, I feel like this show is putting a lot on, like, the race Mm -hmm. of um, Nas and and Jack Stone as well. Like, they show that clip of him on the subway and a woman gets up and moves away. And just different things like that, I think that they're supposed to be, like, subtle undertones. And, like, it could totally be that, but I also didn't know if that came into play, too, with why they were treating them a certain way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of got the vibe that it was just um, kind of seeing it from... We want to root for Naz, so because we don't think he did it. Well, I don't think mm-hmm. he did it. So seeing his parents, who know he's innocent, and are so in the mom bought him food, and oh, then them trying to be like, so we want sad. to see our son who's innocent, and then them being completely cold back, like breaks our hearts. But at the same time, if it was the parents of someone that actually did commit the crime, I mean, I think it would be the same interaction. We would just not feel as bad. Mm-hmm. We'd be like, well, he's a murderer, so yeah. sorry. But then you wonder though the the whole class thing if if this couple came in all, you know, yeah. authoritative. The, they were clearly in a place that they do not even yeah. comprehend mm-hmm. what is happening. They they seem very naive and don't know anything about this. So it would be curious to see a different set of parents coming in, you know, and they're you know, it just could yeah. it could be different based on class and stuff like that too. So, sure. but that was a good point that yeah. you want to they maybe want us to feel kind of Yeah. Uh-huh. I think so. I think and JD, when you're watching this, do you feel? I mean, I know you may know who did it. You may or may not know who committed this crime, but we're clearly supposed to feel for Nas and his family. So, what do you think about the interactions that we get between the officers and Nas's family, and the fact they they're just not very um, sympathetic? I guess. I, I, I feel I feel it's overall, you know, authentic and yeah. honest, but. That's because one another major theme of the of the project is is uh, process. 
So mm-hmm. with when you're talking about officers and the system and, and them being part of the process and them being the process, you know, it does become dry, like you said, and it becomes something to them of a job to where, you know, they know what processes they have to take. And now they have to tell you you're probably the 15,000th person that they have to tell. And so I think I think that it was very honest as far as it being uh, possibly classist. I mean, yeah, I mean, the story would be completely different if he was a different, yeah. you know, if he was more affluent and, yeah. you know, depending on uh, no matter what ethnicity he was. But if he was more affluent, yeah, the story would be, you know, different. But I think this uh, illustrates that fine line of, you know, hardworking American red blooded family, you know, but mm-hmm. they, you know, people sometimes get caught up in the system and the process. That's very true. Very sad. Uh, so just I I know last week we didn't talk about Detective Box's character a lot, but I really want to talk about him because I feel like this episode was really focused on his character, especially since it's called Subtle Little Beast. Beast. Mm-hmm. So, yes. I mean, and, and Nas and uh, the lawyer referred to him as Subtle Beast. So we get that exchange, which I love. I loved this scene, the exchange between um, Jack and, yes. and Detective Box. I lo- that's probably one of my favorite scenes of this episode. I love that back and forth between them. But I just want to know, what, what did you guys think about their characters and their interaction? And do you think Detective Box is truly 100% believing that Nas did it? And also, do you think he'll even want to explore other suspects? Or he's just doing his job, sticking to the evidence, and going in that direction? I'm going to kick it back to uh, NPR's uh, case kind of study on... Uh, cops and stuff and where it's not our job to prove if you did it or not it's our job to collect evidence and make sure that evidence connects to an individual mm-hmm. and he said it himself like I've never had an open and shut case like this in a really long time this is yeah. easy but I do feel like his conscience yeah. does like he seems like the kind of guy who wants to be sure he got the right guy and he, in following protocol as JD so wisely said like he has there's no, he has to put him up for homicide otherwise you have to let him go you have to either charge him or let him go. So I think he's in a really difficult place right now of, like, I there's something not quite adding up. And yet, uh, common sense says, this is it. Move on to the next one. I In, in watching the scene and those two guys go back, like, two master actors, like, really mm. go at each other is really always is. so fun. And I kind of was like, do we have two subtle beasts in this scene? <laughs> like, <laughs> are we? So. I feel like I we're not just talking ahead. about one. Like, these guys are going to, I cannot wait till they get to court. They're going to tear mm-hmm. each other apart. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, yeah, I loved when he said, he's like, the reason you're not charging him is because there's something for you that's not right. And I, but I kept going back and forth this episode. I could be completely on my own on this, but I, I don't know how I feel about him yet. I, I wrote down, is Wait, he good? Jack or Box? About Detective. Box. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. There's just something off about him still for me. And I can't, I can't tell if he's like good. I it's dumb to say good or bad, but yeah. I really cannot. Tell. He seems emotionally disconnected, and he has a like a quantum leap of like just knowledge yeah. that he can mm-hmm. just pull out all the time from yep. just seemingly nowhere. So there's definitely some kind of eerie backstory to him. Like what what have you yeah. been through? How did mm-hmm. you get all of this knowledge? I don't trust him fully. Yeah, either. and I feel like he's kind of taking advantage of the fact that not Naz. I don't know if I'm saying that Naz yeah, or not. Yeah. If I feel like he's taking advantage of him not fully understanding and him being so naive and kind of innocent and unaware of the like I don't can't think of the word but the ser- like I guess the seriousness yeah. of the situation he's mm-hmm. in because he's still thinking like I'm telling the truth I'm gonna be okay 
And so I think he's taking advantage of that, trying to get information and kind of looking for him to mess up. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, his job is to, to get the bad guy. And with all this evidence, I mean, it, who, do, how, who else does it point to? Just Naz. So because of the evidence, I think it would immediately point to whoever was in that situation, which was Naz. But then Naz's personality didn't really add up, and I think he knows that. But doing his job, he's like, nope, it has to be this guy. So I don't think it's it's necessarily because he's getting lazy about it or anything. I think it's just because when you've done that job for so long and you've heard so many people be like, I didn't do it, it wasn't me, you you stop believing wh- whoever it is you're talking to, and that shouldn't be any dif- different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, I hope as the case goes on, maybe he'll see him in a different light. But I think right now, even though it doesn't add up, he does think... That he did it. Well, and we're about two minutes from it being completely out of his control. As he hands it over to the DA, and there was that yeah. whole like yeah. weird kind of exchange between him and the DA. She's like, "How am I going to lose this case?" He's like, "Oh, you're not." When you could clearly see yeah. that he's like, I, "I haven't found the thing that would get you to lose it, but I, I don't know. There's mm-hmm. something not adding up." So, I wonder if he'll start. He'll continue to investigate it after he's handed it over to the DA, yeah. which you're definitely not supposed to do, which will put him in some weird hot water. I'd like to see that. He definitely will. I, I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. And JD, what, yeah, I see that you want to <laughs> chime in here. Go for it. Because, because it's kind of weird for me because the the character of Box, I don't like as a person. Mm. You know, I like that character as a person because it kind of he he kind of typifies. The person who's smarter than to follow procedure so closely, you know, and not use, not be able to, um, like, exert any common sense, not have any power, not any power to exert common sense. Because I would say in the first ish, first episode, when when he had uh, Naz take his clothes off and change his clothes, you see all of the scars and cuts on Naz's back from sex, mm-hmm. you know, so. If you're any type of detective, then you would kind of put two and two together and be like, look, he was with the girl, you know, and obviously they had sex and something else went on. And then you see this kid who, you know, and and, and, and I'm pretty sure internally at some level, uh, he feels, you know, not 100 percent sure. He, he has doubts. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yet and still, he's still more bound by. I don't know if it's his duty because maybe, like you said, maybe he has something going on in his backstory where he's he actually is tired of fighting the good fight and he just decides look i'm just gonna go ahead and process process this but um yeah his character is just to me like so and it's and it's very honest it's like just like a cop will tell you like if you do this for me then you know i'll i'll do this for you and it's never you know and especially with somebody who's more naive or ignorant of of the system those types of police officers they definitely do you know, exist and the box character just really gets under my skin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm with you right now. I, I'm still, I don't, there's something about him that I'm yeah. not super. Because he skirts the line, you know, he's not here for you. He's definitely yeah, going to put yeah. himself in mm-hmm. a position to feel like your friend because that's the best way. Like when you're caught and cornered, like your lawyer's downstairs, like having coffee, yeah, it up with the people that, that arrested yeah. you. Like I'm here to help you. But Nasir is clearly no joke. Like he's smart. Like he made mm-hmm. one night full of, terrible awful please go home decisions but, <laughs> yeah. but overall smart kid so i'm glad that i was worried for a second that he wasn't gonna stop talking but i know he got, like Me especially too. with the taking of the inhaler like you need it and it's for medical but i'm like you never take a gift from your enemy ever it's <laughs> always know. bad at least structurally story structure wise but it seems like he kind of wised up toward the end it was definitely like, he's definitely wising up like you said and 
Detective Box is so manipulative, which I completely agree with you guys are saying. Like, it's hard to determine whether or not we think he's good or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the contrary, I really, really like Jack. And I think that he is very down to earth. Um, And for some reason, his interactions with the different people, whether it be his son's mother, it seems like they're not together, or um, this other officer in the precinct, um, everyone's very shocked that he's on this case, (laughs) which makes me want to root for him even more. Uh, You know, just in addition to the fact that he's helping out out Nas, who I don't believe did it. Um, But it just seems like this is his chance. He's obviously never had a case like this before. Do you guys think he's ready? Do you you think he knows what he's getting into? It worries me. Because he's excited, right? He's He's in over his head. Mm -hmm. He's bit off more than he can chew, and he's going to realize that when the the actual uh, case starts and they're in the courtroom, and he's like, oh, uh, what do I do now? Because clearly, from all of the interactions, everyone's like, you took on a, a murder, a homicide, really? That scares me to death, and it makes me so wish that, like, another lawyer would walk in and be like, I can win this case easily, because Nas just needs to get out of there. Yeah. But here's the thing. Sometimes your very best person is someone who isn't going to, A, think conventionally, which mm. he won't have the, like, murder trial experience to think conventionally. He's going to only be thinking from outside the box. And he believes in Nasir. Even though he doesn't want to know the truth, he's like, that kid killed him? Like, that kid didn't stab him. He couldn't even believe he cut a girl, let alone, like, savagely even murdered Even those other prisoners. <laughs> like, yeah, I love that. That, that was the best like, reaction. <laughs> that was so funny. So I feel like even though it's going to be an uphill battle, and you're right, I don't think he's prepared for that climb yet. I think that he'll whip it into shape, but I think at first it's definitely going to be, like, a blowback. When media mm-hmm. gets in, I think that's when he's going to start to crumble. Like, he knows all the judges and, like, the other lawyers and the cops and everything. But I don't think he knows the media the way he'll need to for this case. I think that's going to be where he really gets hurt. Mm. Because Detective Box is clearly (laughs) well-known that everybody knows. And and he's uh, one of the best at what he does, clearly. So, I don't know. JD, I know you said that you don't really like Box as a person, but what do you think about Lawyer Jack over here? Oh, well, I mean, he's uh, Jack Stone. He's a character. Mm-hmm. So, so he's interesting. Um, he seems like a, a person that had a bigger purpose, but has kind of decided to, you know, just be more mellow and just do what, what the do things that don't put up too much resistance for him. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, as you saw in the first, first uh, episode, he kind of stepped into this one. Um, so... Uh, but I, I like Jack Stone. I think Jack Stone is a great character. I think John John makes him even more interesting. And I mean, it's just you know, you always like you said, you want to see the underdog win, and you want to you like to see people being helped. Mm-hmm. So uh, I definitely want to see a uh, Stone get over his uh, eczema. <laughs> I know, don't we all? For real? Oh my god! You guys got oh, so much guy. foot cream. I've never seen that much before <laughs> in my life. Full counter. Yes, the whole <laughs> drugstore up there. Yes. Eczema is going to become a character, guys, so get ready. Oh. You to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, it's, the eczema is already a character. Gosh. Yeah, we're prepared for more of that. Um, so I guess the last big part of the episode was when um, Nas's bail was denied by the judge and he was taken to Rikers Island. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole scene, oh my gosh. It was so Pretty just... intense, right? And and like we said earlier, I don't remember if it was Abby or just everyone, but there wasn't much dialogue. There were a lot of sequences of just music and emotion, and that scene was really impactful. Yeah, it was. That one scene where they were first taking him to, like, holding or whatever it was, 
I I kept thinking <laughs> that what what? <laughs> Sorry, we were thinking of the uh, phone <laughs> anal removal. Oh, yeah. Oh, that oh, yeah. That, was, that, <laughs> was, that was a lot. That was a lot. That was no, but that, that music, I just kept waiting for someone to like shank him yeah. or something. I thought something bad was gonna I mean, that that whole scene was intense and and when they had him in the the is it whole whatever that little thing was mm-hmm. before they went in. Mm-hmm. Um I loved how they did that scene. There was I don't think if I'm remembering correctly, like, no background music or anything when they were sitting in there and that guy was telling her to shut up or was the mm-hmm. music choices and everything that they that do intense, it, yeah. they build suspense without even overdoing it you know mm-hmm. it's just like subtleties and different shots that they hold on to for extra long and I was so stressed out and nothing exactly. to not Naz even started even happened yet yeah. Yeah. so I just love the way it's shot and it it's I love it. It's mm-hmm. brilliant. Yeah, I was uncomfortable like throughout the whole episode, yeah. no matter what the scene was, whether um, his lawyer was putting on foot cream, that was like uncomfortable, whether they were sitting in the cell all together and um, that guy was throwing up, that was un- like every scene of this episode was so uncomfortable, un- it made mm-hmm. you just cringe. It was a lot. It was really good and it really, it sets the tone for I think just the whole series and what we have coming. I yeah. don't even, don't even know really, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think you guys do know the, the full scope of um of what's gonna happen as far as the story because it is definitely multi layered. You definitely still have the, the murder mystery, then you have the, the legal drama, but then a, a big part of it is also gonna be, you know, Nasir's life, his trauma and dealing with what the situation he's in and, and becoming the person that, you know, he may or may not have to become throughout his situation. Mm-hmm. So I think this is gonna be a, a a multi-layered glimpse that a lot of people are not going to never had a chance to see, you know, before in certain levels. Based off what you're saying and, and piggybacking off what you were saying with these really long takes, if you guys have heard any of the stories coming out of Rikers Island recently, it's particularly yes. about these long held uh, solitary confinement yeah. kinds of things and like super overcrowded prisons. Like I'm really hoping we get a lot more into that experience in that world. Like, it's terrifying, but the show is scary, so I feel like it's the appropriate place to explore those dynamics. I think we will get that. And I just love what you said, JD, uh, the the person that he may or may yes. not have to yeah. become. That's so telling, because like I said, I predicted that he'll take some kind of plea deal, even though he didn't do it, or he, we may find out he didn't do it, but that's just telling to the fact that so many people feel like they have to make these decisions in order to Get in a better situation, even if they are innocent. So, so oh my gosh, I don't know. Let's get into predictions. What do you guys think? Let's do some predictions for next episode. Yeah. What do you think? Okay. So, well, actually, I have I have a specific question for predictions because we did kind of general last last week. So, I want to know who you guys think came to visit Nas because we got a preview. (laughs) We got a preview for the next episode. And you know how they looked up mm-hmm. and they didn't show the person, right? Now, see, that I was, it was a like prisoner. A cell I thought it was a prisoner. Oh, it was? Yeah, yeah it I think it was like that a high cell. tower guy. Which is terrifying because Why I feel did like I see it's someone. someone. <laughs> this is where my mob just keeps coming in. It's the mob. It's the, it's or some kind of criminal organization oh, that she was a part of. Okay. Because it's okay, up so high this is your in the corner. Go. Yeah. You go first. No. Well, we have a prison cell up high in the corner away from everybody else. And. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was that a guard? That was a guard. That's why I was like, yeah, uh, you knew who has guards? power over a guard to be like, come to come mob. visit me. Yeah. The mob has power over guards. Mm-hmm. But I was looking at JD like, am yeah, I like, getting get close? Can I say something? <laughs> this is another thing too. The knife that he had, there's no way that was the murder weapon. I agree because with you. 
when they had when he had that knife, first of all, he got it from the same place they left it. Second of all, there was no blood on it, really. There was like blood, but compared to that, that scene. Room, yeah. So yeah. someone has the murder weapon. That's what's leading me to think he's innocent. But in the long run, too, I I think that and this I feel weird saying, like, I kind of hope this is how it ends, because it'd be different than a lot of shows where you hope that the innocent person is maybe actually innocent. I think he's innocent and we're going to be proven that, but I still think that he's going to be convicted con- of, convicted it. of yeah. it. That's what I'm thinking they're going to do with this show. As for the... I automatically just assume that Hightower guy because he was scary and he was in this and I'm like, what's he going to want with him? But I don't know if Hightower is anything. <laughs> Hightower is just the angry dude you, unfortunately enough, have to get booked with at the same time. Like, I feel... Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if he came up later yeah. in some different aspect, but I really think we're dealing with somebody who's pulling strings behind the scenes. I thought they were yeah. going to be roommates. Him and, oh my God. Him and Hightower. Oh. Oh. Renee, what do you think? No. Okay, so... Um, I definitely think I don't know if it's going to be this next episode or a few episodes from now I think we're going to learn more about um, Andrea's life and who is in her life because I think they're going to realize okay we need to learn more about this woman to find out who would have wanted her dead and I think we'll meet I think there's a guy that she's seeing because that girl I I don't like that girl she's bad news I I think so too but I think she was seeing or uh, was seeing someone, so I think there's a guy involved that we haven't met, and he is might be a, a potential suspect. But like in these cases, usually the first suspect is um, a boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband. Mm-hmm. Always. So I think we're gonna meet someone that's shady in her life that she was romantically involved in, and then hopefully, maybe I don't know, she's a freak. Hopefully, she has some friends that will also. I don't be think she has friends. I, I feel like she doesn't have friends, but I agree with the romantic interest. <gasps> I think I yeah. said that last week. Oh, yeah. did, oh, I wasn't. I, no, yeah. yeah. But I think I said that. I think that you're going to see there's some boyfriend or something weird happening. Yeah, I think, I think that could very well happen. But let's get into some questions for you, JD. Let's talk about you, our special guest here. Yeah. We've talked enough about the episode. All right. Let's go ahead. Okay. So <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about the audition process and how you were cast as Trevor on this show? Yeah, well, uh, man, it was so long ago, actually, because, you know, uh, James Gandolfini, this was his, you mm-hmm. know, baby project. Uh, rest in peace, uh, Mr. Gandolfini. Um, so, I actually, we actually got to do the table reading with him. And, you know, so way back, this started way back then. And I believe my very first audition was for another character. I can't even remember exactly which one it was. And uh, it didn't work out, but uh, Steve... Zellian, um, I think he was still in the process of, of polishing up the scripts and writing some things. And, you know, I'm very, you know, honored to say, like, he had me in his mind and, he, you know, he, he figured that I, he could fit me into a nice place. And he did. And I'm very appreciative of that. So, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was on. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that is how uh, uh, the, the role basically came about um, after James passed. Uh, they cast uh, De Niro, and then he had to drop out for other obligations, and then it went to uh, Mr. Turturro, who, like I said, I'm a huge fan of mm-hmm. and so honored to be working with. And uh, then we got back to work, and actually we were shooting this for maybe two years or more oh, wow. on and off. So it's a lot of effort that's been put into this. But I believe uh, Mr. Zellian, you know, he just had his... Luckily, he had an eye out for me. He liked my audition for whatever the character was I did before, and he had me in mind when he uh, when he wrote Trevor, 
and I got the call, which was great, you know, and I really appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's basically how this came about. But like I said, the process was really long. It was definitely a, a, about a two year or more wow. process. Wow. We'll shoot for like a month or so, then come back again in six months, then go and, and come again. Because it's really, uh, Steve is, if you can't tell, he shoots movies. Like This oh, is yeah. not a TV yeah. show. This yeah. is just it definitely feels like a movie. Yeah, an eight hour long movie. So I have no idea what the edits are going to be. I mean, I don't I have no idea when my character is going to show up and how it's going to go. But I can just guarantee that it's going to be high caliber and high quality. Yeah, that's exciting. I can't wait to see your character come back because I think he's up to no good. (laughs) Um, How did you prepare for this role? Did you watch a lot of crime movies? Did you talk to anyone? Well, uh, this one was this this role was was pretty uh, simple. At first, because when I got the when I got the the part, uh, I didn't you know, it's a murder mystery. They can't give you too much information. So I didn't really know a lot of my character's motivations. There wasn't too much background on them. So it was just surface until I got the later scripts. And so at first, you know, I played him like a neighborhood guy who kind of lived in the neighborhood and who saw uh, the girl, I believe it was Andrea was her name. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. he knew her from passing and so forth and so on. But also I played him like, you know, somebody who had an ignorant view of ethnicity, you yeah. know? So it was like pretty simple, you know, in that regard until, until later on when I started to get more information about what was, what was actually going on. And as far as the procedural and the police procedural and the mystery procedural, uh yeah, New York is good for that. HBO is great for that, and and I've done a, a a good amount of those, and and it's always great to approach them differently. Uh, this one I had to kind of go really slow because I definitely had to wait for more information as it went along. Mm-hmm. Well, let's piggyback on that. You've done a lot of work with HBO. You have like a really great relationship. Why do you keep going back to HBO? What makes it special? Oh, man. Well, first of all, um, I've been working with HBO since I was 18. It started with Oz. Um, mm-hmm. And I did. I feel like I went to HBO instead of going to co- instead of finishing college. <laughs> <laughs> it That's was awesome. like basically a thing where I was learning from, you know, J.K. Simmons and Eamon Walker and Adewale and Lee Turgeson and Harold Perrineau, you know, and Kirk Avicito. And I was around and Ernie Hudson and Terry Kinney. And I was around these people, you know, for a good four or five years, just learning the craft. You know, Tom Fontana and Dean Winters and his brothers, the Winters brothers, they're writing. And, and it's like I learned so much doing that. And you get from HBO the caliber of everything, the caliber of actor they keep around, the quality of writer they keep, the quality of producers and directors that they continue to work with. And so being a part of that is kind of like being a part of, you know, an, an elite troop in a way, you know, mm-hmm. and especially when you continually, you know, get called back or you continually work with them. That means that they trust you with their quality. And I have to give a lot of shouts and a lot of props to Alexa Fogel who is a cat director over there that, that gives so many of us, you know, these opportunities. She believes in us. And obviously, like I said, I want to thank her for her eye and her judgment because mm-hmm. that means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. So just working with HBO, it means a lot to me in the sense of being, you know, like it, it's the difference between being a street baller and being in the NBA to me. You know, it kind of it validates a lot of uh things in a certain way as far as especially as far as quality you know Mm -hmm. i I definitely appreciate that 
That's amazing. HBO's the best. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they really are. Now, you mentioned that um, your character, Trevor, incorporates this sort of ignorance, um, you know, to ethnicity and especially towards Nas in the beginning, like we saw last week. And we touched on this a little bit last week when we were discussing the episode. But in the BBC original, um, the main character was white. And now in the American adaptation, he's Pakistani-American. So I was wondering if the writers and producers... Uh, had a discussion with all of you actors about their decision to make Nas Pakistani-American and kind of incorporate these different racial relations? And and how do you think this affects the direction of the show and um, just kind of incorporating these different elements in our society? Well, first of all, us actors, we don't get to approve anything. (laughs) Uh, in that regard, yeah. you know, we might be able to switch out a line or two, so and so. But um, no, uh, you're right. The the character was originally white in the BBC original. But uh, I think Steve uh, and I'm oh man, I'm gonna kill myself for his partner. But uh, they wrote um, they wrote the character as an Indian because the cab the 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 character is a cab driver in New York, mm-hmm. and. You know, they simplified it as far as that. They said, look, we're going to be honest and and most likely realistic about, you know, the city and the the police and the people and, you know, the smells and the atmosphere. Uh, Most most cab drivers in this city would be, you know, you know, Pakistani or or Indian descent or and and also help the story along in many facets as far as keeping keeping it, you know, authentic. Yeah. You know, and so, and this is this is this is a this is actually what Steve uh, said actually at, at the premiere. Um, so, and I was surprised not not by the the the, the reasoning, but mm-hmm. just surprised that it was just that simple for him. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that, that was why that was the main reason that he said that they made the the actual adjustment. And I, I think I think, like I said, being honest, I think it's a good adjustment. Yeah, adjustment. yeah as well. I agree. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, I know that you're playing Jabari on Bounce TV's Saints and Sinners. Um, tell us a little bit about that role and that show and what we can expect to see from you moving forward. Okay. Uh, well, uh, Saints and Sinners, like you said, it's on Bounce TV. We just uh, completed the first season. It was eight episodes. It's starring myself, Clifton Powell, Vanessa Bell Calloway, Christian Keys, Keith Robinson, and Jasmine Burke. And um, and Neil Carr also, and it's basically the premise is I guess you can say it's kind of like Empire, but set in a church. Oh, cool! Uh, Sounds good. Yeah, so you know, and, and it's based in Atlanta, so there's plenty of a uh, drama and, and plenty <laughs> of you know, yeah, extra extra things going on. It's, it's fun, uh, fun and guilty pleasure. Uh, it's directed. It's being. It's 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 a great show and it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. It's actually a Bounce TV's first uh, drama and we did really well this year. We'll be back for a second season. Oh, I believe we go back probably in the fall. Nice to Sweet. film. Yeah, so if you haven't had a chance to watch it, if anybody hasn't had a chance to catch it yet, I'm much more integral in there. And um, <laughs> it's called states and centers bounce tv you can download the bounce tv app and watch all the episodes now if you want um and like i said you know you get to see me uh well i don't want to spoil it for you but i'm in there a lot cool Sweet. congrats good. on a second season yeah it's awesome 
We'll definitely have yes, to check that out. But as far as the night of is concerned, we're so excited to see yes. more of Trevor. Oh, yeah. More of Trevor moving forward. Can't wait to see how he comes more into play. But thank you again, J.D. Williams, for joining Yay. us tonight. Thank you. I really appreciate you that. You have really, really good insight. Yeah. I, like, feel like I learned, learned more. A lot. Yeah, I, education. <laughs> Thank you very much for the comment. <laughs> Thank you for the invite, guys. I see you on uh I see you on here. You're all very lovely. Oh, Thank you. Well. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, like I said, we definitely appreciate you calling in from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. I know our fans are gonna love this. Yes. I can't wait yeah. to see all their comments. And um, until next week, I mean, thank you again. Well, hopefully we'll get more great guests for you guys. And thank you for tuning in and listening. If you like what you see, give us a thumbs up. And please comment. Leave your predictions below. Let us know what you think about this episode. And continue to tweet us all week. We got some great people joining in the conversation last week about the premiere. So I can't wait to see what people thought about this episode and and what we can expect next week. But again, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miera Jennings. (laughs) And where can they find you guys? Hey guys, I'm Renee Ariel, and you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Renee Ariel. Hey guys, I'm Abby Vega. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Abby Vega. Hey guys, I'm Joelle Monique, and you can find me this week on Black Girl Nerds, where I'll be at San Diego Comic Con and on Twitter at Joelle Monique. Awesome, and also. You're watching the night up, so I'm sure you like murder mysteries. I have a book series on YouTube called Plot Twisted, and I'm talking about criminal stories and all murder mysteries. So you can find that on YouTube.com slash Miera Jennings. And again, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you, J.D. Williams, who plays Trevor. Find him on Twitter (laughs) at J.D. Williams ENT. He will be happy to join the conversation as well. And thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 